Well, I like it. I like the panther head. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. I'm about to bark. You ready, Kevin? Yeah, I'm super ready. Hear me properly in that thing? (laughs) All right. Um, Good morning, everyone. I'm Sarah Miller from Westnet. This guy over here without the mascot head on is John Pedersen, also from Westnet. Um, Our guest today is Kevin May, um, the Oregon Panther in the lower left-hand corner, um, IT Support Administrator, Oregon School District. So, Kevin, can you uh, tell us a bit about what you do and and if you um, tell us how you got to where you are today, I'd like to hear that as well. Sure. Hi, uh, I'm in a new role in the Oregon School District as the IT support admin. Um, we restructured a little bit ago, about a year ago, actually, um, <clears throat> to where we have a technician, level one technician at each one of our um, seven buildings. And so I'm kind of managing those seven level one techs. How I got to this position is fairly unique. Um, <clears throat> I started by wearing the mascot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I started, all right, I got, <laughs> I got to take it off, sorry. <laughs> that thing has got to stink to high heaven. sweat here. <laughs> Apologies for the hair. <laughs> That's some good COVID hair too, though. <laughs> if I could go, if I could go there, I really would. Welcome to go wherever you want, John. Oh uh, man, I got to this position. Uh, I, I started in business, believe it or not, and in the, the private sector. And I've been coaching um, soccer and basketball since I've started my career after college, and just kind of developed a love for interacting with kids and, and building relationships with kids and realized that my passion was not in the private sector and was more in the public sector. Um, so I went back to school and got my teaching license and I was a paraprofessional as a technology paraprofessional at one of our buildings um, in Oregon and just kind of was intrigued by the technology and education um, and just kept learning and learning more and getting certifications in the IT field um, just on my own personal um, progression just because I was interested in the field. And then um, John Tanner, the former director, IT director here in Oregon, um, is an awesome person. And I know John and Sarah, you know John Tanner. Um, he was just kind of willing to let me intern i I guess Um, i did a lot of summer projects with them for a few summers and then a position came up in the technology department in the district Um, and i probably wasn't the most qualified person to get the the tech position just in terms of my resume and what i was qualified to do Um, but john knew me and knew kind of what i was capable of and, and was willing to take the risk and hired me and here i am Awesome. Hey, we're about uh, one month into this 2021 school year. Um, what's front and center for you right now? What's your kind of main thing at this at this point? Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's quite the unique school year, um, to say the least. Uh, I think 
<clears throat> center of the table right now is is just we're a, a Google for Education district, so it's just the G Suite applications that we're trying to support um, at the staff level and also the student level has just been quite the challenge. Um, we've we've needed to get devices in every student's hand in order for them to have a virtual connection with their teacher. Um, so that was kind of our initial rollout, deciding which devices and. Now we're just supporting to make sure those devices and we're over a month in and, and we still continue to have, you know, the learning curve, especially at the younger levels, RK, kindergarten, first, second, and even third graders, um, you know, they're just not used to being on a, on a tablet or a Chromebook to do stuff. I mean, it's just been a challenge, um, just kind of educating them. <clears throat> and so that's kind of been our biggest, you know, Google Meet, Google Classroom, um, and trying to customize it for the upper levels. You know, as a K-12 district, it looks a little different at the high school and even middle school level than it does for a kindergarten, first grade learner. So just been challenging supporting the, the system there, Google. Who do you have... Um both students and teachers, describe what it's like, uh, you know, are, are they in, are some in the buildings, all in the buildings, none in the buildings? So we have, we presented two options to our district families, um, a phased restart option, or a, we call it the Oregon online option. And, and if they're online option, then they're committed to being online um, for the duration of the school year. Um, the phased restart was kind of presented as um, being in Dane County, as we are allowed to bring students back, we will present that plan and start bringing them back as we're allowed. Um, we've started with the kindergarten first and second graders, and they have some minimal hours, four days a week that they come into the buildings in small cohorts, um, but we have yet to bring in any third through 12th graders um, into any buildings. Um, we just had a board meeting last night and the discussions are talking. There's definitely a big um, base that wants students back in the schools. And I think everyone in the district um, from the administration down to the teachers also want students back in. It's just a little bit more challenging than we want it to be at least right now in, in terms of being as safe as possible, um, but still balancing getting the kids back in school. So. Are there any tentative plans? I mean, I, I, I can speak kind of a little bit for my home district of Mount Horeb. You know, they're talking about that K through two and maybe November if Dane County allows it. Is that is that similar to what Oregon's approaching? I would say yes. I don't think they've committed to any dates. I think as soon as you put a date out there, then you're kind yeah. of held accountable to that date. So we haven't set any particular dates, um, but... Uh, our, our continued message to the families in our district is as soon as we feel, um, you know, it's safe and, you know, the, the Dane County Public Health Department also agrees that it's safe, then we're going to roll out this phase restart plan. Um, and it's crazy how different it looks at the middle and high school levels than it does at the K-6 level, just because, um, you know, at the K-6 level, you have teachers who are certified teachers as cross content so they can teach math and english and you know social studies to a fifth grader but as soon as you get to the middle school it's more content focused um, licensing for teachers so 
the science teacher doesn't teach language arts, so it's a little trickier in terms of how you have to schedule smaller cohorts and run them through um, those content-specific teachers. My last follow. My my last first question: uh, If you could go back to January twenty twenty, um, what's one? What's something you wish you either had in place, or was something you wish you would have done differently? Yeah, we had talked about moving to Canada, and I really wish we would have uprooted the family and moved to Canada in January. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I, I don't. I think you know it was interesting this spring. We were kind of just uh, you know patching things together to make this virtual learning. Let's just get through the school year, you know. And, and we came up with different things to just get through the school year. And this summer. There were a million different committees put together to discuss what it looks like when we're in person full time, a hybrid or virtual full time. And we were trying to prepare in a two and a half month stretch, um, you know, three options, which is pretty difficult. You can talk about it and write the plan, but, you know, to roll out and deploy this plan takes a little longer. And so, you know, end of August. The Dane County Public Health even then made a switch. You know, we had plans to go K-4 in person, at least hybrid, and then they dro dropped it back to K-2. So we were even last minute, um, made a switch. So if I were to go back, you know, it, would, it just would have been great from January of 2020 to start planning for this virtual learning, you know, and trialed some things in the spring with the mindset of, we might have to full roll out in September. Um, I think if we would have done that this spring with that mindset, it would have been a little smoother here this fall. But I mean, that's the, the case in a lot of different things in life. So you just kind of roll with what you got. Do you, do you think there's anything that you're going to carry forward? Like even like, you know, after whenever everybody goes back to the classroom? And this might be a Google Classroom question or just in general, like, is there anything that you guys have learned that you think, hey, this is, you know, th this could really enhance our in-person learning in a way that we we didn't expect? Yeah, so I've, I mean, I'm, I've always been more uh, of an optimistic outlook person. I think the biggest thing that, that I've been promoting is we've been a Google for Education district for a number of years, I think probably close to eight or ten. And many of our teachers, um, you know, no, nothing against our teachers. We have a phenomenal staff, um, but some of them were just hesitant to kind of jump into the G Suite for Education um, just because of their, you know, they're comfortable in their previous practices. Well, now <laughs> they don't have a choice. They were kind of forced into learning how the G Suite works in the education world um, because that's what they rely on now for their students. So I think that's a huge thing to be kind of positive about, right? Every staff member in our district right now understands G Suite for Education. Um, so when we come back, it'll be easy to run classes on Google Classroom for every student. And I think it adds, um, just adds a little bit of uh, consistency across the district in terms of you know, what the fourth grade teacher is doing down in Brooklyn Elementary and what the fourth grade teacher is doing up at Forest Edge Elementary in Fitchburg. Um, it'll be a little bit more consistent. So I think that's a, one thing we'll, we'll continue to do. What does the professional development stuff look like right now? 
<laughs> not, not enough, according not to enough. I mean, <laughs> it was a hard, a hard thing to roll out this summer because we didn't really know what we were going to do. And on top of that, you know, teachers are already pretty overworked. So now when you're talking, hey, we have all this professional development to prepare you for what you're going to have to do this fall. You know, many of them were like, well, wait a second. We just got done trying to figure this out. We need a little break before we have to start learning this again. So um, we brought in a, an outside consultant who is the director of an online only school. Um, she's a, actually a local resident in our Oregon community, and she was willing to kind of help lead some sessions on what um, the virtual classroom experience looks like and how kids best learn in that environment. And she was a, an incredible resource that many of our teachers took advantage of. Um, and then we have four information technology literacy teachers. We refer to them as ITLTs that do a ton of um, just videos and, and small little professional development courses that teachers can take for, for the, some of their PD credits. Um, and so we have some internal employees that do a lot of our PD for specific applications that we rely on. What about your own kids? Um, is your little is your little one in in school yet? He's a three year old preschool virtual, oh, okay. which is virtual, okay. which is like, I mean, as you know, with like I think a kindergartner, it's almost impossible to get a little yeah. kid. To virtually learn. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. You put all your kids to go to the Oregon schools, right? That's correct, yes. So they're all doing virtual learning. Yeah, 3K, we have two in fifth grade and then an eighth grader. And are they liking it? Is that going, is that like thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle? Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a, a different routine. We're, I mean, I'm incredibly fortunate enough to have a wife that stays at home and runs her business from home so she can kind of manage what's going on there. Um, uh, it's a little harder for a couple of our kids than it is for the other two, um, just because of the environment. I think the social emotional piece has been the hardest with our eighth grader who's kind of in the, um, you know, stage of life, you know, reflect back on middle school. And John, I see you smirking there. I can only imagine what you were like in middle school um you know it's, it's a difficult time so now we're all of a sudden taking the kid out of that classroom and building and saying you know grow through your middle school growing pains virtually like, come on it's a tricky thing to do when you're not virtual so those have been more difficult than the actual educational piece I have one in 10th grade right now. And so he's just a little bit past that middle school piece, you know, but it's, it's still, there's, there's this, this weird thing at every, each one of the levels. Um, and I also have one that was a senior last spring and is now going to, ooh, now going to University of Wisconsin-Madison and sitting in her bedroom at home here, just kind of locked up and just watching both of them deal day-to-day -day, um, has been interesting. You know, they were it's a little bit exciting and a little bit new and different um, a month ago, but it, it's it's taken a little bit of a toll on them um, as they try and go through this kind of online learning, what are we doing fatigue? Yeah, I would 100% agree. Similar at the younger levels, too. 
yeah, I, th- 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 those are things I can't even imagine how you do K, three, four, that kind of stuff. Yeah, how are your kids doing, Sarah? Um, well, I have a six-year-old in first grade, and there was just no way that she was going to be able to handle being on the computer six hours a day for first grade. Yeah, we are. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's definitely COVID schooling. Um, so that's been really fun and interesting. Um, super grateful that we're able to make it work because my husband and I both both work full time and um, he works for the USDA and he's still going into the office every day down in Darlington. And so it's pretty much just me at home trying to cobble it together. Um, and then we have a four year old and sh- we're not doing anything for her even if even if covid wasn't here we probably wouldn't be sending her to she just turned four so we probably wouldn't be sending her to 4k they have a really great daycare thank god like every single day it's like i would not be able to do this without child care um i was gonna say did so, you clone yourself is the second <laughs> you and the other really teaching the kids um, let's say that the the hours before i show up at my desk here and the hours afterwards are devoted to um trying to try and teach my kids anything at all and um stay sane but i'm with you on the social emotional part it's really um it's really hard for them to not be able to see other kids though that's one of the reasons that we did finally decide to send them back to daycare because we're like we just i mean first of all i'm going completely insane um trying to work and and have two little kids at home but just because you know without without seeing other children their age they were they're just just fading it's just like that, that we need we need each other we need other people you know so it's been an interesting year for sure which is also a super good segue into my into our second question because uh i think that you are just one of the most positive people i've ever met this is what i tell people all the time about you um you know like an expert in smiles and and positive energy um I really always wondered, do you have some sort of like positivity practice, like for lack of a better phrase, some, some, some way that you just like keep your energy high? That's the first part of the question. Um, and if you do have that, has it, has it changed this year? Like, how are you managing, how are you managing your energy and, and just bringing your best self every day? Wow. I am incredibly humbled. Um, lots of drugs. I do a ton of drugs. <laughs> Um, so it's just a mask. No, uh, I appreciate that, Sarah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I feel blessed and honored to just be around people like you and John. <clears throat> I, know I admire, I admire you both and, and Wisnet tremendously. Um, you know, just your smiling and gracious energy and John always inspired by new ideas and just your willingness to laugh. You know, I, I think one of my recipes are, are just surrounding my people with or myself with other people that you know kind of share that same that same mantra that same energy it's easy to complain about stuff and it's easy to you know make up excuses on why we can't or why this isn't going to work or why i'm just not one of those people and so when the conversation starts to go that way i either you know find out find a way out of the conversation whether it's rude or not rude, I, I exit because it's not doing me any good, or I just help try and facilitate a turnaround and just, you know, ask some question to redirect the focus on whatever it is we're complaining about or 
you know, saying won't work and figuring out something to move us in the, the forward or positive direction. You know, I, I guess I, I take it back to a couple moments in my life. One was just coming out of college. I graduated from Indiana University from a, a prestigious business college, the Kelly School of Business with a business degree with this huge vision of going into international business. And I was just going to be this, you know, millionaire on top of the world, flying around different countries. Um, probably a, a vision that many college kids have. And then I started, I was just about to graduate, an incredible resume and probably 50 to 60 companies, denial letter after denial letter, letter. The, the, you know, the ones that flew me out for a second round or even a third round interview to their headquarters that I felt were my shots, I still got the denial letter. And it was just this incredible feeling of rejection. Um, and I never, ever wanted to make anyone feel like that. You know, and when I started my, my career in the private sector, you know, I was in a position that I had to talk to people and like ruin their day when I told them stuff. And I was like, what a terrible thing to do. Um, and so that was like the, a big turning point in my life where you know, it didn't matter how much money or, I made or, or what I did. I just wanted to surround myself with people that were like trying to do positive things. It just made me feel better, um, which I think is kind of when I turned turn into the kind of the public sector. Um, yeah, so that's the one piece. And the other piece, I, I met someone, a dad of one of the kids that I coached probably 15 years ago who the kid never played. He was like a, a bench kid on the basketball team. He was like the That's eighth me. or ninth guy on my 10-man roster of the freshman like B squad. So the, all the kids were terrible anyways. And he was like the bottom of the terrible barrel. <laughs> and I, every time I saw the dad in the community, I was like, you know, should I avoid him? Because he's probably going to be pissed at me for not playing this kid. Um, and he was incredibly positive. You know, you know, the kid loves being at practice. He loves being part of your team. He can't, he always comes home and is excited about, you know, what you said in the huddle. And I was like, that is, it, it like motivated me as a coach to be a better coach, to connect with every kid, you know, even the eighth and ninth and 10th guy on the bench. I was like changing this kid's life. And I was worried about what the dad was going to say to me. I was like, this is an incredible thing to do. He's like, simply by the way he shared some of those things and who knows, maybe he made up half of them, but it inspired me to be a better coach and a better person. And I was like, we have the ability to do that to other people, right? Some of the stuff that I share with other people may be slightly fabricated and blown up a little bit about how, how awesome you did leading the meeting this morning at eight o'clock. When in reality, it was like maybe average or mediocre. But just that notion of like, wow, I can actually do something really good in this meeting and be a leader in this meeting motivates that person to do even better the next time they leave. So that's just the kind of person that I am. I, I don't I don't know if there's like a recipe. The COVID situation has definitely made it more difficult. I will say that. But um Sometimes it's just laughable. You know, you listen to some clips on social media or one of the kids asks about 
<clears throat> you know, why this person isn't wearing a mask or why does this, why is this person so angry? It's like, you just kind of laugh at it and, and explain to them, our world is such a, an interesting and diverse place to live in and just be excited about, it's not boring, right? <laughs> Figure out a way to make it a positive, you know? I'm almost ready for some boring right now, but yeah, yeah. look at, look at the times as exciting times. And I, I keep saying that to my own kids too. They're, they're old enough to understand it, but they really, uh, it's that crazy right now. Uh, things are that crazy where you can just go at the end of the day and, you know, you have a whole month's worth of news each day. Um, learn from it, you know, understand it. And yeah, it's, so that's the answer. Sorry, there's a little bit of rambling there, but now you know the, the recipe behind it, Sarah. So I expect you to positive up a little bit. Hey, all I know is that every time I send out a massive email and you write me back and say something nice, it does motivate right. me and it does make me feel good. So it's working. Good. You know, when we when we were when we were lining up potential guests to talk to us and it was you kevin was pretty easy sarah came back and said kevin said yes but did you know that kevin has a farm and i said that's all i want to talk about so we're going to reserve the next three hours to talk about how did you get into this what is it you know uh talk to us about farming sure i'm not I will preface by saying I am the most amateur farmer, and here's why. Um, <laughs> Ten years ago, I had this crazy idea. I, I was born and raised in northern Ohio in a small port city on Lake Erie. Um, I've always lived in a city. Um, I lived in Madison, you know, from 2000 until 2008. Then I moved from 2005, and I moved to Oregon. I've always been in a city. And I've always had this notion of, I wonder what it's like to go live kind of in the country on a piece of land and just try and do like some farming stuff because it, it sounds cool. I've always been fascinated about the rustic kind of pioneer living. The kids, this is funny. I mean, you can both laugh. The kids do pioneer days at school every year. And I actually get super excited about it, you know, because they learn how to like churn butter and like do that kind of stuff it's like yeah these are cool skills that you don't really learn why don't we learn those anymore because uh, you can go buy the butter at the store it's so much easier so I, i've always just had this notion and been interested in it and so uh eight years ago um we bought this five acre property um we had a piece of crap house on it it was a super cheap property in brooklyn just south of here and we've just kind of little by little been adding things, you know, it's funny because my wife and I wake up and, and every once in a while, one of us would be like, Hey, you want to get some chickens to see what it's like to raise chickens? And we're like, sure. And find somebody and buy some chickens, you know, two weeks later, it's like, Hey, we should get some sheep. I wonder what it's like to have sheep on a farm. And so we buy some sheep. Um, so it's just been, it's just kind of snowballed. And now we have this five acre hobby farm. I mean, it's, it's a bustling little farm. We, a few years ago, started a CSA um, with no money involved. We simply just exchange work for goods. Um, people come and work on the farm for a few hours, and we give them a, a CSA basket. And it's just been awesome. I mean, we, we do some workshops out there. My wife is a florist, and so a huge chunk of our farm is devoted to growing flowers. 
Um, and flowers are an awesome, uplifting thing, right? I mean, you deliver somebody a bouquet of flowers. John, tell me you, you wouldn't be excited to have a bouquet delivered to you. Uh, hmm. No, you're not a flower. The wrong person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, but I'm like, I don't you got know. allergies or something, right? Yeah, no. I... As I learned to slow down a little bit in life, with forced with COVID, I, I think this is something. Uh, the plants might be my thing. I'm trying to figure out what my new thing is, and it's it, no, Sarah. You're telling me no. Plants are not your thing. Come out I, to the I, farm, I, man. Maybe it's farming. Oh, maybe it is farming. See, I went through my <laughs> my virtual farming simulator phase and i i got really excited about it actually uh you know i i didn't grow up around farms um but uh, you know now that i've been in southern wisconsin for a big chunk of time i understand things now and then when i got into the virtual farming simulator then i really got to kind of understand what goes into you know why are they making silage and stuff like that um but yeah i, I just i growing things has never been a, a big thing for me so um Right. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. So I apologize for referencing that reference. I'm going to go back to my quick story because it actually has a good ending here in a second. The <laughs> the farm started out just like a, a hobby and has turned into something that's actually been incredibly beneficial, not only for me, just because it keeps me busy, but our kids. And, and this is kind of a reference to what you just mentioned, John, in the virtual farming our kids are, are starting to understand how much time and energy go into, you know, the, the vegetables that they eat or the, the flowers that they buy um, or the animals, you know, that, that we take care of. It's our kids complain every other day about all the crap that they have to do on the farm. But in, in my wife and I's eyes, it's like, this is good because now, you know, what a lot of people actually have to do on a daily basis to keep something like this going. And when you go to the freaking apple farm this fall to go pick apples, they don't just happily grow on those trees on their own without some love and care to make them as wonderful as they are. Um, and our kids understand that. So, you know, we have a tiny little orchard, but we got the first apples this year. And it was like, you know, Christmas morning when the kids could go pick an apple off of our own tree or the pears and, and have one. And it just tastes better when, you're, when your own work has gone into it for some reason. And I don't know why, but it does. I totally agree. My husband says you have to love a garden. And if you love it, they'll give it back to you. And I think that's totally true. I 100% would agree with that. I think, you know, our vegetables taste the best to us. And I think a lot of it is because of how much you know time we've spent with those seeds that have germinated and then now produce a fruit for us to eat. So it's a cool process. Very fun. Thinking about the other guests that we have upcoming too, and I'm just going to ask them about their farming and fishing and all of that other stuff and just live vicariously through them. Get prepared for next year. 2021 is going to be our year. <laughs> I think oh, we've boy. been saying that for at least three years. I know. <laughs> I'm still trying to get over my 2016 uh, issues. So, anyway, do you have anything else, Sarah? Any other thoughts? I don't. 
it's awesome to talk to you, Kevin. Yeah, it's good to see you. I'm going to do that little idea that you've got. You've got a television right behind you with a, a nice little, nice little brook. My calming, my calming screen. Right calming stream, and uh, I'm going to do the same thing. I have uh, one last question. Do you guys do flowers in your CSA? We do, yes. Okay, this is a deal breaker for me with CSAs. I love to, I love to get the ones that have a flower share, and I actually did. Um, we've been at the same CSA out of out of um, Mount Horeb here for years now, so I'm pretty loyal. But I'm doing um, an apple share for the first time this fall, and I'm super excited. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we. I actually do have fruit trees on our property, but <clears throat> my dad keeps mowing them over with our lawnmower, and so they're not. They're not. Uh, <laughs> producing anything uh so i have to depend on other people but would love to come visit your place someday yeah for sure are you in a work chair csa or do you pay a fee and get i mean yeah there we, we do pay we they have the option to work actually they shut it down this year because they didn't you know want want people on the farm so it's changed a little bit from from past years but given that I've been birthing and nursing children for years now, I haven't, uh, I haven't chosen the work option, but, um, I used to go out before I had kids and do work days on, on our previous CSAs. Cause it's just fun. It's just fun to get, to get out there. And we've always had gardens and we've always even had our own vegetable gardens, but we still do CSAs because we just love the model and we end up getting, you know, a lot of, a lot of vegetables and variety that we don't necessarily grow ourselves because we don't need, you know, 40 pounds of turnips. So. Right. I think that's been one of the other biggest moments for us is it, it was hard for us the first couple of years to understand why someone else would want to come work on our farm for a couple hours when they could actually just work on their own. Um, and I think it's a lot of those same things, right? They just get to experience some other um you know growing operation and they get to meet some people and learn some different practices um we've actually you know learned things from our csa members as they're doing a job on the farm we will ask them about certain things and they'll actually share some of the experiences that they've had whether it's on another farm or you know with their own personal vegetable garden so just that sharing of information makes it much easier when you're you know in the same space i guess around the same farm rather than just having our own closed operation we kind of tried to open it up and i think people are very receptive at least in this area to that whole idea similar to wisdom's yeah. model right whoa find it all back <laughs> it all you're back. bringing it all back around this was actually one of the first things I, I really learned from sarah was you know i had heard of csas but you know she she brought that to me and uh, I got involved in one a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, thinking about Wiscuit as a CSA, it's like, huh, how do you, how do, you do this in this world? And um, it got me thinking about it again right now. So don't ever expect, though, that Sarah's going to like ditch her current CSA and, and come to you as, as much as as much as she loves you. When she says that she's loyal to something, <laughs> she sticks with it. And um, so, yeah, it's, I told my wife that, what, what do you have the same pediatrician for 23 years? My pediatrician kicked me out at 22. He's like, you gotta go somewhere else. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't want to. I just, I don't want to. And I would still be seeing my pediatrician if he, if he would have allowed me because I'm just, I, when I find something that's good, I just never leave. I think that's a good quality. Loyalty is a very, very strong quality. 
Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, before I throw Sarah under the bus anymore, um, I don't have any other questions. Thank you for kind of playing with us this morning. We'll have you back at some other time too. We'll, we'll check in in like February and see how you're doing. Sure. Um, can, uh, maybe, maybe February we'll do a virtual, like from the farm check. In. Oh, love it. And hang out with the pigs. Oh man. I almost got to slaughter a pig this, this last spring too. Why didn't you? Courtesy of Matt. Well, courtesy <laughs> of Sarah. I, 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 I don't like blood. That that would be my husband. Matt's my husband. <laughs> yeah, Matt 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 got his hands on some some pork. Awesome. Yeah, but missed that opportunity too. I'm not quite there yet. We've we've discussed trying to butcher them right on site because it would be the most humane for the, the pig. Um I I wasn't ready for it either. I mean I think I would be able to actually butcher it, but it would be the, the actual initial kill that i would have a hard time with oh you call me kevin <laughs> <laughs> sarah's got a guy <laughs> I, I, I do i have a guy all right i have a guy are we still recording you might want to cut that out <laughs> yeah <I know>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we just don't tell the stories about his adventures in in farming so anyway thanks for being with us for sure yeah thanks for having me good to see you both